How does the greatest story in salvation history end? This is better than any spoiler alert. Find out on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey, welcome to this episode of Inverse. For those of you who've been watching every single episode in this entire season of Revelation, congratulations to you and hopefully you've been blessed. If you have, visit our social media sites and leave a comment and share how you have been blessed and share a testimony or any source of encouragement to us and our team. Uh, for those of you who have been watching intermittently, go to our archives and you can see the entire episode or entire seasons and, and in past seasons as well. I don't know about you gentlemen, but I have been very blessed by this study. Each episode, the blessing increases more and more. Yeah. And unfortunately, we are in our last episode. We're I know. looking at Revelation 19, 20, 21, 22, four chapters in this last part. We're going to hit the highlights and we're going to ask the Lord for help in that endeavor. Sebastian, can you pray for us? Absolutely. Father in heaven, we are so privileged to have been able to study this book this quarter. And Lord, as we've gone throughout the season, um, Lord, we've learned a lot. We've grown a lot. And now we pray that as we look to the blessed hope, Lord, to a time and to a world that we all long for, we pray, Lord, that our hearts may not just long, but that we may be prepared to live among the blessed and the beloved of this beautiful city that is to come is our prayer in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Oh, we're going to read some scripture, but before you do, I'm going to maybe throw this, uh, throw this question out to you all. And we have been in our journey of revelation. I want to ask you, Israel, and then Sebastian, and then Jared, what is one particular lesson or episode or thread that you just have been blessed by this entire uh, 13 weeks that we've been mm-hmm. looking at the book of Revelation? I've been blessed by, to be honest, I've been blessed by every episode that I've been a part of mm-hmm. and some of what I've also been listening to as well. Um, I think what the the takeaway lesson that that for me has impacted me the most is the fact that revelation is relevant today right mm, now cool. and is relevant not in the global sense it does talk about a global perspective but is relevant in the individual sense mm-hmm. in other words it it speaks to me as an individual right. and uh, mm-hmm. i think that's probably what has impacted me the most oh, cool very cool Braxton? yeah i think for me um <clears throat> i probably pick about Two of them, I think the second episode where we looked at John and him being a companion in tribulation, mm-hmm. um, it was a very impactful episode for me, um, just looking at Jesus returning to him after so many years and encouraging him. Um, and then also, I think the, the episode we did on the seven last plagues, mm-hmm. um, I think it was just very profound for me to, sh- to see that revelation is pretty a lot like the Bible where there's these little pieces of the love of God and the gospel hidden mm-hmm. in every single crevice of scripture. Yeah. yeah. You call um, it one of the greatest revelations absolutely. of the love of God I'm telling in you, the man, seven plagues. I'm going to preach it, Justin. Yeah. Amen. Preach well, it. Well, preach it. how uh, that works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing I think I've appreciated the most has been seeing <clears throat> this thread through revelation of the beauty of God's character um, in contrast to the beast, how, um, you know, just 
his, his righteousness, his gentleness, mm-hmm. his desire to draw us with his love, that's something that's popped up in some very unique places for me, and I've, yeah. I've been encouraged by mm-hmm. that. It's very cool. When, I feel like when you dig deep enough in Revelation, you ultimately find exactly what Jared is saying mm-hmm. and what Sebastian is saying. The love of God is there. Yeah. You can't separate the gospel no matter how much Satan tries to make it ugly, no matter how much he tries to taint it, mm-hmm. you can't separate the beauty of the gospel. You know, for me, it was the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven plagues that were like, ah, it's a lot. We only have 28 minutes. How? What are we going to cover? What can we do? And we mm-hmm. have different perspectives. And it's just so cool that when you have people who have, are sitting together who pray to Jesus for help, Jesus, who authored this book, and you opened this book, and then it's an awesome study. I mean, there's some parts that we prepared for, and there's some parts that we didn't prepare for. And in the discussion, just a, just a wonderful picture emerges of God. Amen. That really feels that fire in you, and you and just you're driven to want to be more like Jesus, to be one more. I mean, it's just you get excited. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Sometimes, and the the crazy thing is, some people call those passages the ones that are boring, difficult, yes. afraid, scary. But there's, a, there's, a, there's gems in those aspects. Agreed. So we don't have a lot of time, but we're going to hit some main parts in chapter, each, each of the last four verses, uh, each of the last four chapters. Chapter 19, if you will. Um, let's go to Israel. If you can read verses 6 through 9 for us. Okay. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed with fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said it to me, These are the true sayings of God. Yeah. Jared, mm. what's going on in that at that passage there yeah so we see here uh the righteous being identified that are ready and waiting for jesus to come Mm -hmm. they've come through the tribulation and here in the next moment they see jesus coming triumphantly in a white horse Mm -hmm. they are going to sit down at this last marriage supper of the lamb the words of jesus are kind of echoing in my mind because he's in the upper room and when he presides over that first uh, communion service, right? Yeah. The last supper with his disciples. He says, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of the vine until I do it new with you in the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So here he is. Here's the fulfillment of the promise, mm-hmm. right? And here's the church. And they sit down and they share a meal together. I think it's beautiful. This is the, I feel like this is the I told you so moment of scripture. Okay. Like Jesus has been saying over and over, I've got this under control. I've got this under control. I've got this under control. And, and we anticipate God. We're, I mean, we're believing you, but it doesn't look that way. Yeah, I've got this under control. And then verse, uh, chapter 19 comes, chapter 20 comes, 21, 22. I told you, and this is not, what I love about it is that that I told you so moment drags on from 19 all the way to the very end. <laughs> and, and this reminds me of, this reminds, every week we have a tradition in our house where we prepare, we have this big, it's not this big fancy feast, but we have, we have a nice meal to welcome in the Sabbath every Friday night. Uh-huh. And, and everything in the week leads to that. Mm. You know, it's like the kids know 
I know everyone knows their responsibilities, and all of us need to be spot on with our responsibilities. My job is on Monday, make sure the trash is out so that my wife is not mad at me. My, you know, the job <laughs> for the kids is on, on, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Make sure the upstairs is clean so that nobody's upset. On Friday morning, before I go to work, make sure the bathrooms are clean. And as soon as I get off work, I go to the supermarket, I buy the food, I get it ready, and the kids are anticipating, they're anticipating, they're mm. anticipating, and they're thinking, when are we going to light the candles? When are we going to put set the table? How is it, what are we going to eat? What are, how are we going to set it up? And chapter 19 begins, look at how many times it says hallelujah. Mm. In verse chapter 19, verse 1, hallelujah. You go back to verse 3, hallelujah, verse 3 again, hallelujah, or verse 4, sorry, verse 5, verse 6, hallelujah. Over and over and yeah. over, the anticipation, the build up is man it is finally here going Pentecostal yeah it's, it's going yeah it's and going I feel like the word anticipation is appropriate for me and even when you see the concept of the the marriage of the lamb like when you think about going to a wedding that's exactly the feeling it's like yeah. this feeling of anticipation like your whole life has been driven by just these few moments or seconds mm -hmm. and it's it's always interesting when photographers are coming to a wedding and they're trying to get that moment. The one moment they want is when the groom is looking back and the bride, the doors open, yeah. right? And she's, and they first, first eyes meet yeah. for the very first time. He wants to get that picture of the groom, right? And they usually have two, one to get the bride because yeah. you're trying to get that, that look. And I think it's, it's, this is that moment where the long awaited, you know, unity between Christ and his people is like the anticipation of a wedding. Mm -hmm. There's nervousness. There's like everyone's doing their part. Like, are you in your place? Like, you can imagine. This is not just significant for earth, right? This is significant for heaven as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, these are finally our brothers and sisters coming up. And now we're all together for this wedding. And yeah. imagine it's there Jesus' wedding. There are two wedding. things going on at the same time, though. Yep. I mean, so, I mean, all throughout Scripture you have these, these opposites, yeah? yeah? You have mm -hmm. the New Jerusalem, you have Babylon, you have the Trinity, you have the Unholy Trinity. I mean, what are, what are others that you guys can think of? There's the... There's the prostitute, there's the, the, the pure woman. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's the beast there's and the then beast. the lamb. Then you have the city okay. of Babylon and then the city of New Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Okay. contrasted. Yeah. Uh, I just said that. Yeah, anything? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> he wasn't listening. Though. Yeah. Um, but we see here, which, which is really cool at this apex, that you know, all these hallelujahs are coming out. Uh -huh. And then we have a meal with God. Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, this, is the, this is the apex. We've been waiting 6,000 years for, to have a meal with God. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's not a graduation service. It's not a victorious war chant. It's sitting down and having an intimate meal of fellowship with our God. Mm -hmm. But the contrast to that is found at the end of chapter 19, verse 21. The rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Mm. Yep. And it's either like you either eat with Jesus or you're eaten. That's you right. Know, and it's kind of a sober, it's either or, it's yeah. black or white. Yeah. Uh, there is no middle ground here. Yeah, there's a contrast between these two, these two suppers. Yeah. I think what, what chapter 19 obviously focuses on is the first supper. Yes, I mean, that's you have the one just, that we want to be yeah, in. You have just this one, <laughs> you have just this one uh, verse reminding us of what is happening yes. on the outside. And, and I think that it's significant that Revelation takes, you know, this large portion in chapter 19 to, to describe the beauty of the first feast mm -hmm. and saying, like, look, this is where you want to be. This is going to be, I mean, it's going to be great. This is going to be a really, really awesome feast. People are going to be excited. It says here, why is the excitement built up? Because the Lord 
God omnipotent reigns. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you have this other feast. You have this other feast where the birds are feasting on, on the, on, on the, the, those who are, you know, fallen, destroyed. Mm -hmm. But the great portion of scripture is, is, it's almost like an invitation, you know, spending more time telling us about this first feast that we want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Amen. Let's go to chapter 20 now. And chapter 20 introduces this millennium. It's very interesting. This is the only chapter where the millennium is mentioned, and all the concepts of the millenniums are found in this one chapter. It's self-contained here. Mm. And, I mean, this has been a point of contention. Does Jesus come before the 1,000 years, right. or does he come one after the 1,000 years here, the premillennial and postmillennial? If you do a careful reading of this chapter, you find that, that Jesus comes before the 1,000 years. Yeah? Yeah. Jesus comes, he takes his people, we go upstairs, and we're in heaven for 1,000 years. Jared, what do we do? for 1,000 years in heaven. We're not living with God forever and ever in heaven. We're there for 1,000 years, and then we pop back down, right? What's going on? It's true. So uh, this is one of my favorite concepts in yes. Scripture, and yes. it's kind of in this little seed form in verse, verse 4, four. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I saw thrones, and they sat on them. It's talking about the righteous, and judgment was committed to them. Mm. Um, so what kind of judgment is given to them? Obviously, Jesus has come. Um, those who were righteous were caught up, who were living. Those who were dead, righteous, who died in Christ, were resurrected, mm -hmm. and they were taken to heaven. Here's all the saints, all the saved in heaven. And if we go well, to... Well, hold that thought. Jared, you're going to go to another Bible text. We'll, we'll get to that text after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hello, welcome back. Well, Jared's been holding his breath this entire time, and you're going to another Bible verse. Where are we yeah, going? Yeah, I appreciated the time. You helped me find my text, okay. man. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Yeah, so we're talking about uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, and the saints in heaven are now doing some kind of a work of judgment. Mm -hmm. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul gives us an interesting clue here. He, uh, verse 1, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you not worthy to judge in the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? Mm. So here's an interesting clue by, by Paul giving us the idea that the saints have this authority. They have been saved. They've experienced the power of the gospel to transform their lives. They, you know, know the, the, the pull of sin. They know what it's like to live in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. And here, as they're redeemed, they have the privilege to evaluate the history. Mm -hmm. Who's there? Who's not there? Why? And I hate to jump to another around too much, but there's this, we, we talked about this before in, in Revelation chapter 15, where the saved are saying, great and marvelous are your works. This is, this is in verse 3, chapter 15, 15 verse 3, 3 in Revelation. Yes. Mm -hmm. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of saints. God, you are righteous. You yes. are just. And it goes on to say, all nations shall come and worship before you. Why? For your judgments 
have been manifested. Mm -hmm. Everything you've done has been made clear, and the saints of heaven essentially audit the books, and they say, God, you are righteous. Every question that they may have had of God's working in their past, who's saved, who's not, why, um, all of those things are disclosed, and they say, God, you have done everything possible that you could have done for us to arrive at this conclusion, and we worship you. Yeah, there's sort of checks and balances in the government of God where God is actually uh, giving up some of his authority to hum- save human beings, to check him and to balance him on his judgments. You know, one thing that's been very revealing in our study of Revelation is that the judgment is not to see how sinful you are. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, the Bible has already said that we're sinners. The, the judgment will not really find right. something new. Everyone is, is, is condemned all, under the law. Yes, we all fall But the sure. judgment is really to see how righteous God is in saving people. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. when, you, when, when he condemned the wicked, you did all that you could do and you couldn't save them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then for the saved, you did all. The, and then it's, it's proving that God is truly an able and good God. Amen. You have the, you know, the classic text in first john you know that god is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness mm-hmm. that that declaration that god is just is 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 a legal declaration god is a just god not only does he he not only is he is he forgiving but he is faithful to mm-hmm. forgive mm-hmm. from genesis chapter 1 the or genesis chapter 3 sorry satan had made the claim that god is hiding something and 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 he set that up. He's been telling that story, yeah, and that's that, the accusation. Yeah, that's yeah. the accusation. And God, over and over and over through history, has proven, I have nothing to hide. There's nothing that I'm afraid of you knowing about me. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and go ahead, go ahead. I, I, as a matter of fact, I want to be made known. Mm-hmm. My my goal is to be made known. Over and over, you have the tabernacle of God is with man. Come and see. Let's reason together. I will show you. These are themes that are found in Scripture and in Revelation. And finally, now you have the, the opportunity, the real opportunity where God says, look, let's sit down, let's open these books, and let's see what takes place throughout the course of history. You're going to have several questions. How in the world did I get here? Mm-hmm. And God's going to show you I was faithful. <laughs> you know, how in the world did that person that was worse than I was get here? Actually, he wasn't worse than you, or you were worse than them, and I saved you, mm-hmm. so I saved them too. And why is this person missing? Yeah. Well, this is why this person's missing, and, and all that's going to be able to take place. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of huge because at the same token, while this is happening in heaven, right, you're going back down to the earth, and it talks about the dragon being bound for this same thousand years, is that the devil also gets time to reflect. Yeah. And I think that that's also huge, that God wouldn't just kill the devil at this time. It's like, no, 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 no. The anticipation of this future judgment that's coming to the devil then and his angels and the fact that, okay, now, you know, all the wicked are dead, the righteous have been taken back to heaven, and the devil is stuck here on the planet Mm -hmm. to contemplate his fate, to contemplate his journey, Mm -hmm. which goes to show you when the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, right, that he is Lord to to the glory of God. That Greek word is that that God reverts the earth to an abyss. And that word in Greek is the same word found in Genesis 1, before the world was formed, before there was void and and formless. Mm -hmm. So it's as if God's saying, Satan, you you want a world without me? You want a world without any (laughs) any sign of me? Well, then I'm pulling out. And he's on this asteroid of a rock for a thousand years, and he still gives him the gift of life to think about what it is to exist on a world without him. Yeah. Let's, let's move forward to chapter 21. And I love verse 4 and 
verse 5. Uh, Jared, can you read verse 4 and 5 for us? It says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more, nor sorrow, excuse me, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Hmm. He said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. All right. Amen. So let's juice that and those verses out. I mean, this, this is an awesome promise. Hey, hello. Yeah. Like, this is, this is awesome. Amen. But I guess the question is, maybe it's, maybe it's too simplistic. Why does God have to make everything new? Why can't we just kind of continue where mm-hmm. we're at? The verse, Sebastian? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously we know that um, the world has been affected by the, the, the coming in of sin mm-hmm. and by the result of sinners. And so you have the degradation of the physical world, of the animal world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the whole creation groans, yeah. right? And it's travailing like a woman in, you know, in labor pains, right? Waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So it's not just humanity, but nature, earth, all, everything, everything. is affected. Animate, inanimate, yes. right? It's all suffering under the curse and the pall of sin. So we've got a reboot going on. That's here. exactly right. And in this... The new OS system. In this same process, right, the Bible says that... God is going to make all things new. Yeah. So there's also a sense of restoration. Mm. So it's almost like, you know, if I bring my shoes and you're like, man, you know, the, the bottom is kind of coming off. I remember one time I was Talking like preaching shoes. a sermon mm. and like as I'm walking around Your preaching. shoes were preaching too. <laughs> you know, my shoes were preaching too. It's just like the top kept separating. And I remember someone brought me on. They're like, man, I need to buy you some new shoes. And another person was like, hey, you know what? I can take you somewhere so someone can fix these shoes and make it like they were new. Yes. And it's just interesting to think that one person would say, just replace this, right? Just get rid of humanity, just get rid of this earth, and just replace it. Hmm. But God is not a God who thinks something is irredeemable. Hmm. As far as this world has fallen in Babylonian um, false doctrines and all the things that we've studied in previous episodes, God's like, this thing can still be redeemed. Hmm. I mean, what an amazing concept that... The woman who was raped, God can make her new as if she was never raped, mm-hmm. right? The person who was beaten, the person that was neglected, the person that was shamed or was a social outcast, mm-hmm. they can be restored, yeah. unmodified, mm-hmm. right? As yeah. if nothing had ever touched them the entire existence. This, this, of the gospel. It, it, remi- it reminds me of the, of the marriage feast with Jesus where he transforms water into wine. Yes. He doesn't get rid of the water. He doesn't add to the water, make, you know, Kool-Aid or what, but he transforms the water. It's still water, but it's now wine. Yes. And, 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 and that shows the, the one thing that only God can do is to take something that's the same and to make it different. You know, same, same, yeah. but different. And, <laughs> and, and the point of Revelation chapter 21 in verse 3, it says, you know, there's a, there's a loud voice uh, saying, you know, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be with people. Uh, they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Throughout all of history, this is what God has been pointing to. I want to be with my people. I want to be mm-hmm. with my people. And this finally takes place. How does this take place? It takes place through this transformative power. Amen. I have to speak about verse 5 if I can real verse quick. Verse 5, chapter 21, verse yeah. 5. And it says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Mm-hmm. This uh, passage, everyone here knows, and some people might know on, uh, on television, that of, over the last three or four years, I lost my brother. My older brother was just three years older than me. And then last year, I lost my dad. Mm-hmm. And as I was reflecting on this, on this passage, I was claiming this promise in verse 4. 
God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There's mm -hmm. going to be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. And the reason is because there's going to be no more sin. And through this, through this experience of hardship, mm. what spoke to me was verse 5, where, where it says, Right, for these words are true and faithful. And it was as though God was saying, Listen, my word is sure. Mm -hmm. My word is true. I promise you so much so that you can write it down. Write it Amen. down so you don't forget. And we have, I mean, I have a journal here. And because I have written stuff on here, it is the only way to get rid of this is to burn it. Yep. And so God says, look, I want you to, I want to show you how confident I am that I'm able to transform the world, that I'm able to transform you, mm -hmm. that I'm telling you, John, write it down mm -hmm. so that I can be held accountable to the universe. Yes. Write it down because I know that these words are true and faithful. And so yeah. I love this part. It reminds wow. me of when I was in Boston, um, I went to visit a, a young girl's uh, father became ill. She was only 16 years old. And when we got to the hospital, her family was there and they knew that she was attending Bible studies with me um, in a group that we had. And so they're like, oh, he's here. You know, he needs to pray. And so they're, they're um, translating, you know, in Amharic, they were Ethiopian family. And they're like, okay, what words do you want to say before you pray over him? And he's in a coma. And while I'm going through this um, experience or in my mind, it was like for a second, there was like an ounce of doubt in my mind. Like, am I giving these people false hope? Mm. I mean, people are crying. People are weeping. People are looking to you. They're like, I haven't been to any religious services in forever. And in the end, the fact that we say, write this down because this is true and faithful, it can give you confidence when you share this to encourage a soul that you're not preaching falsehood. These are, these are wonderful promises in the, in the last half, uh, last, last part of Revelation. I love the right component here. Let's go to chapter 22 and uh, verse 6. Going on with these words, the Bible says, Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. Mm -hmm. And the Lord God uh, of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants things which must surely take place. Mm -hmm. Verse 7, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Mm -hmm. It's cool that the book of Revelation has actually seven blessings. Blessed, 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 blessed. Mm -hmm. And this book is really saying, hey, the last thing that we need to anticipate in our day and age is the second coming yeah. of Jesus. Amen. And yeah. hopefully all of, all of you guys, my hope has been uh, fanned by this book. And mm -hmm. hopefully that's your prayer out there as well. I want to spend a little bit of time in saying some some words of goodbye to one of our one of our team members here. Uh, Jared has been with us in our last couple of years in, in our journey of, of inverse, and now he's moving on to to higher and bigger and broader uh, work for God. And uh, he this is his last episode, and we want to send him off with uh, with our blessing. And I want to say, Jared, it's been a ride. It's been so much fun to it's have been you a lot here. Of fun. It's been so much fun watching your yeah. beard grow longer and longer. <laughs> uh, we love your passion, your intensity, your knowledge, your wisdom, and most likely, well, most most much, most yeah, most of all, uh, your your heart uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's been encouragement to all of us. Thank you, bro. Uh, you're welcome to the show at any time. You know. So a lot of you guys, you might see this beard once again as a guest star on the show. Or my bare, handsome face if I decide to okay. shake it up a That's little right. bit. That's right. That's right. Shake it up. That. We can shake it up. That. Hopefully you've been blessed by this entire season of Revelation. We know that we have been. Hopefully you've been as well. We'll see you next week on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, 
television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.